0: This podcast is scheduled for 10 questions, Hiding out of New York, standing at 5 feet 11 inches tall, and wearing the red, white, and blue trunks, presenting Kyle Brandt! Yeah, thank you, Bruce
1: Buffer! Every single intro is 10 and the name of the show is 10 Questions. If you've never listened before, if you've never watched before on YouTube, we do not have guests on the show. We have never had a guest. We never will have a guest. We have contestants. You come here, you don't just chit-chat and plug. you got to compete. Everybody leaves with the score. Everyone gets 10 questions somehow related to their life. If you get it right, you get a point. If you get it wrong, you get nothing. Before we get to today's contestant, who's, oh boy, is going to be a good one, let's play some context. Let's play just a spattering smattering whatever that word is of prior contestants and their scores so today's contestant knows what he or she is competing against let's have a listen hello i'm brett farf and i got seven out of ten i'm vigo mortensen and i
0: got eight out of ten hey i'm Aaron andrews i got a five out of ten i'm alex smith and i got a nine out of ten
1: yes he said nine it's a comeback player of the year the highest score we've ever had nine out of ten and that brings us to today my intro music please because today's contestant on 10 questions here's what you need to know about this gentleman the important stuff he almost puked in adam vinatieri's ferrari once he got an offer to play college football at penn state before he even played a high school game they then rescinded the offer like cowards we'll get into it i have seen him actually doing cartwheels during his ad reads on his program he is an ex-NFL player, he is a professional wrestler, and he is the most electric man in sports entertainment, ladies and gentlemen, Pat McAfee. Welcome, Pat.
0: Wow, that made me feel good, <laughs> Kyle. I am the second most electric man in sports media, behind the handsome Kyle Brandt, standing at five foot eleven. I heard there for Bruce Buffer. Um... I'm a big fan of the show. The boys and I at the office, listen, we're good morning football fans every single day. We love everything about you. I am so honored to be on this show. Thank you for having me. Hopefully I can beat Brett Favre and not sound like a dumbass out here, you know?
1: <laughs> Kill Mississippi. Big listeners at 10 questions. Let's find out, Pat, because let's just set the ground rules first of all. You know, I'm going to ask you 10 questions. Now, if you were blanking and you're like, why is he asking me that? Stop and remember it has something to do with you or your life Me. or your career. And sometimes that can okay. be your beacon. If you get the question right, Pat, and you get the point, you are going to hear this sound. Ooh. Okay. Get if you don't get it right, if you stumble, if you drop the snap, you have to hear this sound.
0: Oh, God.
1: Now, You have one lifeline on this journey. We're going to go through, Pat, through the 10 questions. One lifeline. Should you ever be totally lost? Our lifeline here is called Ask a Millennial. We have a real millennial in another room on this chat. And if you want to ask the millennial, he'll come in. He'll offer his youthful perspective, and maybe you guys can sort it out. Cool?
0: Yeah, that's smart. I can't wait to ask the millennial. Just a random millennial that was born (laughs) at a certain time knows more than we do. I respect that. Pat.
1: Let's go make this bread. Let's secure the bag right now. Here's 10 questions with Pat McAfee. Pat, question number one. Your category is nursery rhymes. Nursery rhymes, Pat. Here you go. Little Jack Horner sat in a corner and pulled what out of a pie? Jack Horner? Little Jack Horner sat in a corner and he pulled what out of a pie he pulled
0: something out of a pie what was it okay so this is about my life i don't know if i know who a jack horner or what a jack horner is so i'm immediately stumped out of the gates here uh, no, no. no. Think-
1: i'm going to talk you through this little jack horner sat in a corner he he, he, he put in his it put in his thumb and pulled out yeah. what of the pie Apple. What did he pull out with this? He pulled out a whole apple of the whole apple. Pat, this is going to be a great show. Is it a whole apple? It's not an apple. Come on. All right. Come on. I'll tell Could you what. You're
0: to get Alex Smith like this, Kyle. <laughs> if you pitch a
1: perfect game from here on out, you can tie Alex Smith. Pat, he stuck his thumb and he pulled out a plum. Remember that from the nursery run? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm and you know why plum. I'm asking
1: you about plum? You're from Plum. Yeah. Plum, Plum, Pennsylvania.
0: You went to Plum High
1: School. All right. If I were to go, Pat, if I were to go to the halls of Plum High School in 2004, the Mustangs, and I would see you walking around, what kind of Pat McAfee would I see? What were you like then?
0: I was pretty upbeat. I think I was pretty upbeat. You know, pretty. I was busy, though. I, I played a lot of sports. I played soccer year round, traveling every single weekend. My dad and I would hop into his Subaru Forester. And we would drive around the country playing soccer. So I think you would have seen me um, in the hallways, pretty upbeat. Normally dressed, um, sweats pulled up above the calves because I always had great calves. So I like to show mm-hmm. off the big calves. You know what I mean? Upper bodies yeah. always been kind of adolescent. So I would have that. But you would have seen me be bopping around, probably a little acne. I, I think we would have had a great conversation. I talked to pretty much everybody. Letter jacket. No, 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 People knew, no, no. I mean, let's talk about People knew that I played sports, but yeah, you wouldn't have seen that
1: on there. There's this legendary story of how you got into kicking prosperity, and it has to do, reportedly, tell us, with you borrowing money from a friend and then ending up in a kicking competition. Like, Pat, you became a really good NFL punter and you did kickoffs for a long time. How did you get from the calves pulled up and the acne in the halls of Plum High School to the NFL? How did it start? What was the
0: origin story? Yeah. So you referenced it there early about Penn State before I even got a game basically told me they wanted to give me a scholarship to kick there. I didn't start kicking for my high school until junior or senior year of high school. Okay. And I don't think that's that abnormal, okay. but where I'm from soccer, our soccer team was much better than our football team. Um, I mean, still Friday night lights would happen because it's Pittsburgh, a borough of Fitz- East Hills of Pittsburgh. So there were still people that would go to games, but for me, soccer was what I was going to do. Like I'm doing soccer. Uh, I had more schools looking at me for soccer than I did for football. So football wasn't even a thought until I won the punt passing kick. Right, I won the national championship, and the head coach Bill Ramito, was like, "Hey, you need to come kick for our team." And my dad, my mom, and I so invested in soccer. We're talking remortgaging the house for soccer. Like very invested really? in soccer. Oh yeah, like four or five times over. My my parents like, well, yeah. we can't turn on soccer right now. We're about to get school and everything. So literally, we agreed to me just showing up on Friday night. So I would just walk in basically with the fans, on uh, my junior and senior year, bomb balls, and then just kind of have a soccer game on Saturday morning. I'd go to the parties after the football games, obviously, but then I'd have soccer on Saturday morning. It was soccer every other day except for Friday night. And with how big our school was in the football world, there wasn't a lot of schools looking at me, right? So there was this one guy who was a scout for Kent State. And he was at a game looking at somebody we were playing against. We played against uh, Justin King was at gateway. Um, he, there's just a bunch of guys that ended up making it out of our area. A scout was there from Kent state and he saw me hit a kickoff, like through the uprights. the thing. It was almost like a Bryson B. thing. Like people would come watch sure. to see, to come, come see the dumb soccer to kick the ball as far as it could. So Kent state soccer just kid, so kicker happy. guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I had a really strong legs. So everybody knew I had a strong leg. So, uh kent state was the only school that made an offer that was it so we really had to make a decision my family and i like if i was to get lucky enough to go professional in either one of these sports do i want to be rich in europe for soccer or do i want to be rich in america so uh quickly decided that taking three steps and kicking a ball is better than running nine miles and kicking a ball uh so i committed to kent state even though it was the only school that offered So fast forward to like a month before signing day. No other schools knew I existed. Our team wasn't that great. It's not like we were just pumping out D1 recruits. Mm -hmm. Uh, I get a call in the middle of chemistry class. We're talking about significant figures, which is very important to life. I'm happy we're learning that. And uh, I get a call in the middle of school from a Florida number. The guy's name was Mike McCabe. I still know his number by heart. And I asked my chemistry teacher, Mr. Jasper. I was like, yo, can I answer this? He's like, there's no way you're supposed to do that. I'm like, there's no, why is this number calling me, you know? So I answer it in the middle class. He tells me about this kicking camp he's having down in Florida where the guys he trained uh, will kick against other people. So uh, he wanted me to come down and compete. I I go home, I tell my parents, it's like 1,500 bucks and it's like five days out, six days out. I come from a working class family. I already had a scholarship to Kent State, a trip to Miami to go kick against some guy's guys for 1500 bucks was not an easy sell. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad, um, who was a truck driver and I believe he was selling wood at the time, basically told me to go, uh, fuck myself. Basically, He's like, there's no way we're giving you $1,500 uh, to go to Miami or whatever. And at that time, Chris moneymaker had won the world series of poker and made every kid from every blue collar town think he was going to be the next uh, world yeah. series to poker. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So we would have games, 50 cent dollar any blinds or whatever. We would have games all over Plum. I'm talking in basements. We're talking about uh, kitchens. Like every, it was the cool thing to do. World Series of Poker was the cool thing to do. So Texas Hold'em was, I was pretty good. And I heard about this bigger game from one of my friend's dads who played in it. Uh, He was, he walked in on us playing in his garage. He was a little bit upset because we were illegally gambling. But then he talked about how he plays. He played at these places. So I heard about this. Uh, So I borrowed a hundred bucks to get into the game. And I caught a Jack's four and nine full house early with the entire table in it. I was up to like 17, 1800 bucks early, but in a cash game, especially in the basement of an Italian restaurant, I couldn't just get up and leave. So I had to like, hang on until, until like 4.00 AM I leave at like 4.30 AM catch my dad on the way out of the house. I basically tell him what had happened was he gives me the extra hundred bucks. I fly down there. I end up kicking a 60, 65-yard field goal on Sunday, and I get an offer from West Virginia the next morning. And that was just kind of the whole thing. I got very lucky. My entire life is a series of incredibly lucky events, and that's one of them for sure.
1: Wow. So if if Mr. Jasper doesn't tell you to answer the call, if you don't win that hand, you don't end up kicking to start a Super Bowl <laughs> with, with Peyton Manning as your quarterback. That's crazy.
0: Damn. Well, hold on. The Golden Flashes have had success, all right? Let's not Respect automatically Respect the Golden
1: Flashes. Listen, if the Golden Flashes have never called, you may be playing for a Real Madrid right now worth about $300 million. I don't know, Pat. All right, as it is, you are 0 for 1. You're 0 for 1. You hit the upright on the first one. Let's get to question two. Pat, your category for question two is 2000's NBA. Here we go. In 2002, what LA Clippers forward became the first Clipper to make an all-star game in eight years?
0: And this has something to do a tie with my life. To
1: you. It this ties to you somehow? It's an LA Clippers forward in 2002. He made the All Star game. It hadn't been an All Star with the Clippers for years. This forward made it.
0: You know the interesting thing is when I was in high school in Pittsburgh. You know we have no NBA team. So late night, I used to watch the Late Show. I used to watch Kobe, Shaq, and the boys do their thing. Sure. Never once watched the Clippers. I I don't know anybody that watched you know, know this guy out- pat you know this guy
1: i'm even gonna go so far as to piss off the attorneys and tell you he went to an incredibly prestigious basketball school and then showed up and the clippers were good all of a sudden they were fighting for staples center with the lakers for a hot minute he's a forward he went to the all-star and when you hear his name you're gonna be like oh of course that's me do you have a guess You want to use the Ask a Lifeline? You want to ask that as a millennial? Oh, yeah, millennial.
0: Let's hit the millennial. He's too young. Bring Richie He's in He's too here. young.
1: He doesn't know. He, he No, no, he might be. He might be. Hold on. Richie, get in here. I think this guy knows basketball. Say hello to Pat
0: McAfee. It's great to meet you. Let's do this. Hey, millennial, it's an honor to have you on here, and thank you for saving me. I only got one of these. We're talking early. I can't go 0-2, yeah. okay, pal? I mean, I, I can not saved you yet, yet,
1: so... <laughs> All right, so Richie hit or miss. He he completely screwed over Brett Favre, but he's helped some other people. He helped Viggo Mortensen. Richie, I'm going to give you the question one more time. You guys talk amongst yourself. In 2002, what LA Clippers forward became the first Clipper to make the All Star team in eight years? Um, so I I got two options. I'm gonna throw at you. Elton Brand came to mind, or Lamar Odom. Oh, I don't, Lamar! I don't,
0: it's got to be Lamar Odom got to be Lamar Odom. He thinks either Lamar
1: Odom or Elton Brand. Who do you think? You got 10 seconds. Oh,
0: oh, Elton for the brand. Elton Brand. It's Elton Brand. It's got to be Elton Brand. He says Elton Brand. Is he right? Is he right? For God's sake, let's get Pat on the board. (laughs) Yes. All right. You want to thank Richie? You saved your ass. Hey, Richie, I appreciate that. Now, you did say somebody else who I have met before and hung out with before and got beaten horse at after... The Kardashian situation, Lamar Odom. But thank oh, you for coming wow. through for me. You Richie. pulled us through.
1: I got you, of course. Okay. Thank you, Richie. Great job, thank Richie. you, Richie. All right, so Pat, you got it. uh It was Elton Brand, which is of course for the brand. uh Pete, it, it, that has become your your slogan, your mantra. Where did "for the brand" come from? What's what's
0: how the, how's that come to be? Okay, shout out to Elton Brand, by the way. um So when I retired, I knew that there was quite an absence of commentary on what's going on in the special teams game. Okay. So I've been a lifelong NFL fan growing up in Pittsburgh. I was always a fan of players, not so much of teams. My dad was a diehard Steelers fan though, much like all of Pittsburgh. So I'd always been an NFL fan, Getting a chance to get into the NFL and learn it from that side was really, really cool. But I knew that in the most popular sport on earth in the biggest league in the world, a hundred and what, two years now of the league happening, there has never been coverage of special teams that did what was going on in a special teams game justice. You know, like I always thought once I got in there and I got a chance to work around Vinatieri and like all the little fine-tuned things that he's doing so that he can be a robot on the field every single time he goes out there. And in the punt game, the strategy we used to have, kicking off everything we Because the only time you, Kyle, or anybody else in the media we we'll talk about kickers and punters is when something catastrophic happens. Whenever you know an ACL is blown, a punt is dropped, a shank happens, a yep. punt return happens, a punter gets kicked in the face maybe by a returner. It's hilarious. <laughs> That's the only time. So once I, it is rather hilarious, but it is. I mean, that is, that is very comical <laughs> to think that that happened in an actual NFL game. But I knew that when I retired, I wanted to put a spotlight on some of the stuff that I thought was cool that was happening that people maybe didn't notice. And I would always say whenever somebody did something awesome, like, hey, that's good for the brand. Like everything's been bad for the brand. You know, a guy gets run over or shook or breaks his ankles, or whiffs, or maybe doesn't even give an attempt, that's bad for the brand. That's the only thing that's ever been out whenever it comes to kickers and punters. So for me, everything's for the brand. What's good for the brand, uh, and I hope to do kickers and punters justice along the way because there's a lot of things that are good for the brand. The bad for the brand hogs hogs the headlines. okay? But there's a lot good for the brand happening as well, Kyle.
1: For the brand has become bigger than special teams. This is like, it's almost like, you know, people scream Baba booey at Howard Stern. It's a thing. People tweet it, people yell it. And it's, it's going places fast. Here's my question for you. Where do you want to go? Years from now, five years from now, like where is your brand then? Where's the brand going? What do you want
0: to do, man? I'm not sure. I've been so lucky to have been able to do a lot of things. You know, Like when I retired, I actually reached, when I thought about retiring, after year eight, making another Pro Bowl, uh, yada, yada. Me and Baron Sanders, no big deal. Joking, obviously. But whenever I was thinking about retiring, at that point I had like, I had 700 and some thousand followers. I had already done a comedy tour. I had a podcast show yeah. at that point. I had already done live shows. I already had a merch company. Like by the time I retired, I already had a lot going on. So I assumed after making a couple of Pro Bowls, being respected by my peers that a network was going to be like, yeah, we want you to work here. ESPN, Fox, NFL Network, somebody, somewhere would be like, hey, how's it going? Nobody was interested. I mean, it it was the quickest, like, we're not interested at all. So then whenever Dave and Erica at Barstool reached out to me, they're like, hey, we want to help you with this thing because the internet was going to be the way I was going. We kind of want to teach you and, and, and kind of let you know what's happening. It was like a perfect opportunity for me to get to explore all these avenues in the media world. Obviously, once I separate from them and continue my own thing here in Indianapolis, my daily show has kind of taken over all my time at this point, And I love it. But getting a chance to do game day and commentating and wrestling, it's just like if I was to say what I wanted to do 10 years from now, I, I think that would be An asinine statement to make because I have no clue what's going to happen, what opportunities potentially gonna be presented, or what I'm gonna be able to do. I've been able to do so many cool things. And uh I love my daily show though. Like I I would I'd like my daily show to continue, hopefully, for at least 10 years, but there's a good chance people are gonna get sick of it way before then.
1: Not me, man. I I check it out all the time. It basically runs YouTube, it completely dominates. And we're going to talk more about your retirement in a second, because I still got questions. I'm never satisfied with the answer I get to them. And I'm not satisfied with your score yet. You're only one out of two, Pat. We're going to question number three. And this is the 10 questions listeners' favorite category. This is the fun one. This is called Finish This Lyric. Pat, I'm going to play for you a very popular song that's been on the radio ad nauseum for years. You're going to hear the singer. He's going to be blah, blah, blah. He's going to stop on a dime. When he stops you finished the lyric that he would have continued. Got it? Got it. Pat McAfee. Question number three. Finish this lyric.
0: I'm Mr. <laughs> yeah! Yeah!
1: Yeah. Come on. Two out of 3 Let's go. Pat, that was center cut. It hit the top of the net. 55-yarder. A no-doubter.
0: Thank you. I, I'm, I can normally sing the songs. I have no clue who's yep. singing them or what the name of the song is. But normally, I can get the lyrics going, you know?
1: Okay. You already have two right. One more, and you tie Steve Smith Sr. Already, with only three right. Pat here's why i'm playing you mr brightside mr brightside blew up the killers like it was it made them they were everywhere maybe you knew about them or something but like there was huge i think there was a moment like that for you in my opinion and it was that the 2019 nfl draft in nashville tennessee when the indianapolis colts selected you to announce a pick and it sounded a little bit like this hello
0: nashville I'm not going to say a single word about the Tennessee Titans record against Uh-oh. the Indianapolis Uh-oh, Colts boy. because I was a punter and there's no reason for me to talk about that. <laughs> With that being said, we did not punt much against the Tennessee Titans, so you probably have no clue who I am to begin. <laughs>
1: All right, it's a 10 out of 10 line and there was, you, you announced the pick. Pat, I was in Nashville that night there was buzz about you. Everyone was talking McAfee, McAfee. I really think that was your Mr. Brightside moment. What
0: was that night like for you? Oh, it was awesome. I appreciate that, by the way. I, um, so a couple of years before that, you hear me say in that speech later that a few years ago when I retired, I retired alongside Robert Mathis and Joe Wrights. Uh, I watched the draft months after we all announced our retirement. Robert mm-hmm. Mathis announced a draft pick. Joe Wrights announced a draft pick. And then an orangutan from the Indianapolis Zoo announced the fourth round draft. So I was legitimately, like, actually replaced by an orangutan, okay? So that was quite a moment for me. You know, I I, I had to realize where I stood and everything. And the orangutan was terrible, Kyle. That orangutan was terrible. All it had to do was press the iPad. Couldn't press the iPad. You know what I mean? I remember.
1: It was a disaster. He completely fumbled it. You would have stuck the iPad with full dexterity. You know, you would have nailed it Thank and they you. did not ask. Um, did you know, Pat, that night was that big? Like that, that and when you're up there, you're like, holy shit, this is a huge moment for me.
0: Yeah. So I got an email like two weeks before the draft and it was from the NFL. Yeah. It was the the NFL or I forget who. I think it was the NFL. Hey, would you be interested okay. in announcing a draft pick? And I'm like, I got some. Yeah, absolutely. Especially oh, after yeah. the orangutan. You know what I mean? So like I'm very appreciative. <laughs> Of all those opportunities, like I was so incredibly thankful for it. But now that I have it, you know, like how do we make this, you know, one that we'll think about in a little bit? So as I'm sitting backstage having some beers with Shane Leckler and the boys, you know, uh, the other people there, I was watching Reggie go up there and just roast Tennessee, just roast sure. these Titans, kill them. And I, I loved everything about it. I'm like, okay, so I have to answer that, obviously. So you know, the brain starts cooking a little bit. And as I'm sitting in the back waiting area, Roger Goodell comes over, daps me up. You know, he asked me about what I'm wearing. I got my jeans like uh, I got them kind of cuffed up. I got some Air Forces on and I didn't even have a dress shirt on. I was I was going to wear a T-shirt, but I hit a uh, I hit a store on uh, Broadway there, or whatever, to buy one. So I got a cowboy shirt on underneath. You know what I mean? Sport coat. And he goes like, uh, hey, have fun out there or whatever. And I'm like, hey, don't you worry about that, pal. I give him, like, a fist pump, and at that moment, it was like, oh, I didn't really pump much against it. It, like, all came together literally as I was, like, walking out there, and as I'm walking on a stage, I look to my right. There is a 30-yard-sized picture of my face, right, because of how deep (laughs) that crowd was. I, like, looked. I almost got, like, disgusted. I was like, "Ah, that's way too big of a nose there, and I look over. Shefty gives me, like, a salute or whatever. I'm like, Shefty, how's it going? And then all of a sudden, as soon as I sit down, I see all those people. There was a lot of people. And I was like, this is, this is going to be a moment. Like I knew it was going to be something awesome. I'm very thankful for the opportunity and uh, very lucky I got to do it. But yeah, I thought it was going to go pretty good. And that's why I was pretty excited for it.
1: You should have been, it went incredible. It was the story of that night. And one of the stories of the weekend, that that was, as it said, that was viral. That blew up online. You get the big numbers, the tweets, the likes you've done it a million times. I've done it a few times. It feels like a drug. Do you, do you chase that? Do you, do you identify with like those numbers, the retweets and likes? So like, does that drive you?
0: You know, the interesting thing here is, and I think I heard, I don't remember if it was Kobe talking to Rich Eisen in an unaired part of an interview or something like that, but he was talking about his production company. And I think it is vital that you don't allow the results to dictate the content, okay? So like there's some things that I've done or put out that I thought were like really good and did not do that great compared to other things that I've thought like, cause you never know what's going to go. Right. You never know what's going to go, but I don't let that dictate like what I'm going to say or what I'm going to do. Like I I always, I I like to have the, um, the freedom of not worrying about just the numbers being the ones that tell me if I'm succeeding or not. Like I just like making good stuff, having a good time and hopefully people laugh at it, enjoy it. And if it doesn't hit, like, okay, maybe we learn a little bit, but I'll never let that kind of... That, so the answer, long answer is no. I, that is not something I chase. But when it happens, it is awesome. It is absolutely
1: awesome. It's of time. It really uh, is. And I think we're doing it here tonight. Here we go. Two out of three, Pat McAfee. Don't let Pat get hot. Don't do it. Never mind Jack streak, Warren. He hasn't missed since Shooter. Then. Question number four. This is when the record scratches. All right, here you go, Pat. Category is politics. Not like you think, though. Your question is simple. After his resignation in 1974, who replaced Richard Nixon as the president of the United States? Nixon's out. It's Watergate. It's filthy. It's it's deep throat and all that sounds even filthier. He's out. Who steps in after Tricky Dick... To the POTUS, the Oval Office, who's next man up?
0: Okay, so Watergate was that thing in those buildings where they had spies and ninjas. The hotel. Yes. That's correct. I believe who won in post tricky Dick. After Nixon said, I'm done here. I think it was that guy. I think it was that guy. What was that guy's name, Pat? So I, I think his name would be uh <laughs> I think that would certainly be uh President Harding.
1: He says President Warren G. Harding. Okay, this is great. Cause I you know what I love that everyone's watching and listening, just screaming the answer right now. Screaming. However not my, <laughs> not my followers. No, hold on, you might be right. Is it Warren G. Harding? <laughs> Which is it? Is it right? Regulators dismount. Oh it's not hard. It's a, um, it's a former college football player, a Michigan man, Gerald Ford. Gerald Ford. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. President Ford. One-termer. That's- yeah. Ford. No, but here's no. Here's why I ask you, though. Nixon's resignation. I'm going to go back to your retirement. Your retirement to me was so shocking. Lest anyone not believe. Pat, I know you think it's for the brand and no one gives a shit about special teams. I know who you were. I have followed you. I saw your highlights and Trendon Holiday House. I knew who you were. And then I woke up one morning and it says, Pat McAfee retires to work for Barstool. And I was like, what, the, what? Why would he do that? Barstool's not going anywhere. This is a really good player. And Pat, I looked it up. In that last year of your career, career high in yards per punt, 49.3 yards per punt, make the Pro Bowl. What, Barstool and all that stuff you were doing would have been there. Why did you walk away from the game? Why, why was there not more McAfee in the NFL? Now I
0: think we can do a follow-up there that I don't think Barstool would be there at the position it was at when I retired. Now it's a $500 million valued company. It's huge. You know, it's huge. Like it was rapid. The internet was rapidly growing and Dave and Erica were at the forefront of that kind of, you know, growing up and everything like that. So I don't know if like a lot of people said, like, you can do that later. You can do that later. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Sure. You know, like the internet, modern day gold rush right now. I I think getting real estate on the internet, especially now and going forward and definitely a couple of years ago when I retired or whatever, I think it was a pretty good time to kind of get in on the internet, the business of the internet. And I think I I saw that. I think the chats um, with Dave and with Erica made me realize that as well, that it's like the internet's a hustler's paradise where Literally anything is possible if you work. So I think that was something that definitely crossed my mind. And also, okay. I, didn't really, I didn't really enjoy doing it anymore. Like, I'm somebody that if I'm doing it, like, I have to love it. I, it's going to sound like such a ridiculous pander, but it's real. Like, I saw my dad wake up like 4.35 a.m. every morning, go to, jo- go to work at a job that he hated, come home at night, drive me to soccer practice on the other side of town, go home and go to sleep. And I was always like, hey, he spends a lot of time at a job that he doesn't necessarily love, but he's only doing it so that I can do what I'm doing right now. So I always said, like, if I ever get a chance, obviously not everybody's given that opportunity, but I want to do what I love. So the NFL gave me an incredible opportunity to take care of my parents, get them out of debt, take care of my friends, uh, get them out of debt, get them set up for the rest of their lives. And then once I kind of got it to that point and everybody kind of had the reset button put on their finances, around me, you know, it was at that point, like, okay, I've already done a stand-up comedy tour. I've already rented out arenas and, or theaters and sold the tickets myself. I've already had a merch company. I've already had a podcast with ad sales. I've already done a lot of this stuff. I don't necessarily love kicking a ball when our offense fails anymore. I'm staring down my third surgery in four years. The front office doesn't necessarily love what I do either. It just seemed like there was a lot of things that kind of lined up for me. And it was like, this feels like the right time, even though I'm. A, there was a lot of my mom and dad were very like, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, I understand what you're saying. Like, let's do, let's have a good time. But there was a lot of people that thought I was insane. But like my boys that work with me now, they're all like, "Let's do this." So it's been a cool thing. But I, I just, I think I got to the point where I didn't necessarily love it anymore. I saw that the internet was, you know, doing what the internet was doing. I got a chance to work with an incredible company there, and I just. I thought, okay, here we go. This seems to be the right time. It could have failed miserably, and we'd be having a very different story. But um, thus far, it seems to be a good thing. And if worse comes to worse, if if this all comes crashing down, I can still kick a ball a little bit.
1: Pat, someone who may not look so deeply into it would look at you and be like, Pat, you're playing a game. You make all this money. You get to play football and kick a ball. We Make them rip that jersey off your back. If you don't like the team, Try to play for another team. Like, what's your response to people who just don't understand how you could not be happy being an NFL punter? It seems like a great gig.
0: I understand completely that thought, you know. And Mike Wilbon actually said those exact words on PTI the day after I retired. Basically, said like my friends need to have an intervention with me to keep me in there and do that whole thing. Uh, And I'll tell you what, I would have believed that for a long time as well. You know, Uh, I grew up thinking that you know, what do you want to do? And I said, oh, I just want to be rich. You know, like, what do you want to do for a living? Oh, I just want to be rich. Everything that you've seen me try is something that at a different phase of my life I wanted to do because I thought the person doing it was rich. So all I ever wanted was rich. I wanted to set my mom up. I wanted to set my dad up. That's all I ever wanted. I get rich, we get rich, we'll get happy. And I think money allows you a lot of freedom. And that's why I said the NFL allowed me the opportunity to set my parents up to give my friends that type of thing. Uh, And I, I think I was very lucky to accrue the amount of money that I made grossly overpaid to do what I did. Grossly, ridiculously overpaid to do what I did, especially after seeing what my parents went through my entire life. But there comes a point after the money is made and everybody's taken care of. And for me, I got to the top of the mountain, you know, another Pro Bowl. I was doing things no other punter or kickoff person was doing. I mean, it was, I didn't enjoy the view as much as I thought I would. You know, I thought if I become the best to do this, uh, everything will be awesome. This will be cool. But then I'm getting told that my tweets don't really necessarily good for the Indianapolis Colts. I'm getting told mm-hmm. I can't do this. I can't do that. And it just got to a point instead of going to another team because I loved Indianapolis. I loved Indiana. They were here for me, you know, after I, uh, an alleged incident happened, it just got to a point where it felt like it was the right move. And Money is something you dream of forever, and when you get it, it allows freedom for a lot of people. But happiness comes from inside, and that is such a cliche statement, but it's incredibly real. And I I would love to have money for the rest of my life. Let's not get crazy, but that is not necessarily uh, the end-all, be-all for me when it comes to decision-making.
1: It's really, really well said. It's impressive as hell. Did you ever wake up in the middle of the night and be like, damn, I left some punts on that field, man. I still got kicks in this (laughs) leg.
0: I want to let you know I left every punt on that field Kyle okay I left every punt on that field Kyle and that's another thing too if you're going to be in the NFL like I feel the position there's only 32 people that punt I feel like you should be fully committed to it like I think you should respect the position respect the league enough to fully commit to it and I just I got to a point where I wasn't going to do that anymore so it was like all right the team should have somebody else you know
1: awesome Pat! i love that answer you're the best let's move on to question number five you are two out of four let's get that third point question number five pat something i think you will be hosting someday award shows is your category award oh, shows here we go. all right here we go pat two boxing movies in history have no. won the best picture at the academy awards are you already you're already tapping out you don't think you know this no no i know i, all know, right. I know all right there's only two ever One of them is Rocky. Can you name the other movie that won Best Picture, other boxing movie, at the Academy Awards? So the Academy's
0: which one? Which one's the Academy? That's the... The Oscars. Oh, that's the big one.
1: That's the big dog. That's the NFL. Oscars. Two Oscars. One for Rocky, one for another
0: boxing movie. They have a little controversy in their history, I do believe, the Academy. But the... um, I believe every boxing movie, by the way, valiantly done. Way to go out there. All the hard yes. work that gets put into it. I think it's Cinderella Man. Cinderella Man. Cinderella Man. Cinderella Man.
1: Is it Cinderella Man? It's not Cinderella Come on. Uh, Come on. Ron Howard Direct, Russell Crowe, Paul Giamatti. You want to know what it was? I think Cinderella Man is better than this movie. The one that won Oscar for Best Picture is Million Dollar Baby. Remember Million Dollar Baby? Hillary Swank? Clint Eastwood? Remember that at all? (laughs) Clint Eastwood really did his thing.
0: uh, And that's a good baby.
1: Great baby. Great movie. um, And you think Million Dollar Baby, I'm going to ask you about money. No, we already covered that. I want to ask you, the award show deal, with the show you're doing now, you've interviewed so many people. I see players and guests go on your show and they light up. They look, I've seen him do 50 interviews, and then i am seeing him do McAfee, and it's a different guy. Let me stand out some awards right now, Pat. Your award in your time and in this media for most surprising guest you've ever had. Who does the award go to? Aaron Rodgers. Surprising.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why? Every week. I mean, he had, he's a big fan of yours, as are we all. And Likewise. his 10 questions was great his 10 questions was absolutely great with you, but he didn't normally talk much. So this past season, when we got to do Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays or whatever, like each week I was like, all right, that's next week. We're not going to be able to do it. We're not gonna be able to talk about <laughs> anything or whatever. And then he would just be this open book. It was, I think that was the one to be honest. That was unbelievable to me. And it's not just because they garnered the most attention too, because they did. I mean, there was a lot of attention on those, but, Just if you listen to those full conversations, the amount of deep shit he dove into was just unbelievable. I think that's the most surprising for me.
1: I mean, they were always must listen, must watch. You guys would be talking about what happened against the Bucks with and Sue, and at the drop of a hat, you're talking about uh, the burden of college tuition and like all these really cerebral things. Pat, when you're going into those, are you up the night before every Monday night, like sweating it and preparing? Or are you just like, we're just going to shoot the shit?
0: Yeah, um, I understand that there's a lot of people in this particular profession that do a lot of research. You're one of those people. It is unbelievable the amount of things that you know about people while listening to the 10 questions. I have the utmost respect for you and what you do. For me, I watched every game that he played. Okay, so I watched every game that he played. I basically knew every moment that people would want to talk about that happened, whether it's him talking to reps or something that happened with the wide receiver or a check he made. Or something like that. So I knew those things. But aside from that, like I like to go into these conversations just like, like let's assume that I'm going to ask what everybody else is thinking. I'm, I'm like the most basic human of all time. If I like something, there's a good chance a lot of people like it. So if I'm thinking something, there's a good chance a lot of people are thinking it. I'm just a very basic human being. It is. I take that as a as a con I'm just a basic zone bitch, you know what I mean? Like that's how it goes. So those conversations, <laughs> like you don't know you don't know where they're gonna go. So I just always have faith that I'll ask a question that'll hopefully get them to continue to go and that I'm gonna listen to what they're saying and let's we'll see where it goes. And the boys though help me with that, you know? Because yeah. some- sometimes we'll miss some very key things that we probably should talk about. And I just talked for 35 minutes with this person and we did not get to the you know, the headline stealing thing. So the boys will be like, uh, also, this morning, a report came out about you. I'm like, oh yeah, I completely, I completely forgot it. So I just kind of go in with an empty slate, uh, just try to feel it out and just, you know, try to have a conversation with somebody and try to learn about them as much as possible. I think that's what everybody does, but we all have different tactics.
1: So Rogers wins the statuette for most surprising guest. Who wins the award for funniest guest? Just makes you laugh the most.
0: Okay, so Ariel Helwani makes me laugh. He, really? Yeah. The MMA reporter, he's great. Yeah, he stinks on ESPN, okay? He he <laughs> stinks on ESPN. He's like this, you know, super professional journalist, you know, like buttoned up. My reporting tells me that blah, blah, blah is going to fight, blah, blah, blah. He comes on my show and is just a, he is, he's a wrestling character of himself. And it is. Yeah. Unbelievable. He makes me laugh all the time. Taylor Luan made me laugh. You know, LaShawn McCoy came on. LaShawn McCoy came on after the Super Bowl. He was unbelievable. Uh, I mean, he was absolutely. It's just, you know, I feel like uh, Ariel Hawani makes me laugh the most, I'd say. Uh, but I, I think I have good pop moments in there for a lot of folks.
1: So, this is what makes me laugh. You come on, Ariel Hawani, this very erudite, very uh, experienced reporter, and your first take is he's terrible on ESPN. And this is why I love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of years ago, three years ago, I was given my own show on the NFL network with my name and the title and everything. And I'm doing all these rounds to promote it. And everyone's saying, Oh, it's going to be great. This is going to be great. I go on your show at the time and you go, Hey man, what time the show on? What's your time slot? And I go, Oh, well, Pat, you know, it's at 5 30 PM Eastern on Friday. And you're like, terrible time slot. That show's getting canceled. <laughs> and I go, what do you mean? You go, Nope. Worst time slot I've ever heard in my life. And you were right. And that's when I knew you were different
0: well kyle you didn't deserve that because i love the show i watched the show but you had no chance that was crazy that show had no chance (laughs) there ain't nobody watching tv at 5 30 on a friday normally now the world's much different now but that whole thing like because i
1: know
0: i was so pumped for you though this like joe thomas though joe thomas Joe Thomas thought every single year that they're going to win a Super Bowl. He was with the Browns, too. He like, you did that same thing with that Friday 5.30 thing.
1: You talk yourself into it, dude. Absolutely. We knew it. I'm like, oh, 5.30 is going to be happy hour. Everyone's going to be drinking before they go out to dinner. They're going to watch the show. It lasted about five seconds. All right. Cap, All
0: right great show, though.
1: We got to keep up. You are two out of five. And here we go. Let's come into your wheelhouse. Question number six. Your category. You're going to love this. I promise you're going to love this. I want you to have a good time. That's why I put this category in. The category is pro wrestling entrance music. Okay. Okay. Now this is the fun part, Pat. I have three of them. You can pick whichever one you want. I have ranked them as easy, medium, or hard. I'm going to play the music, and you just have to say whose music it was. It's all worth the same points. Which one do you want? Easy, medium, or hard? Well, let's just go with the medium. You want to go medium? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Here we go, Pat. At two out of five, you could have said easy and taken the easy point. He wants to go medium pat name the wrestler who walked into the ring to this music
0: hello ladies, hello, ladies. valvenus let's go
1: <laughs> it's valvenus already for all of you listening and not watching valvenus hadn't even finished his hello ladies and pat was out of his chair hip thrusting and said it with them that was that easy
0: yeah, yeah, man, I'm a big wrestling
1: fan. I, I, I assumed I'd be able to get it. Pat, you're the you were given the award for rookie of the year in professional wrestling. Your life gets more and more fascinating. You already mentioned exactly. one heart. It's incredible. I mean, you got the jerseys behind you in this. Who has a Senior Bowl jersey and a rookie of the year award in professional wrestling? One person, McAfee. Yeah. What, what else you got there? You got a Pro Bowl jersey too. What am I look? Oh, look at you. And Then you're in the ring choking guys out for the brand. Pat, who are your influences? If I was to talk to a guitarist, they'd be like, oh, you know, it's it's Hendrix, Nettie Van Halen. Who are the guys that make you the wrestler you are or you want to be?
0: Yeah, I, So I think Attitude Era was definitely where I lived. You know, I grew up in that. I, I would assume everybody who's about my age knew the Attitude Era. Monday Night Wars, I mean, WWF Raw and Nitro were just battling. I mean, it was awesome. And I think if you were, you know, that was when I was in my teenage years as well. I think if you listen to me on any given day you can hear a lot of inspiration from the rock you can hear some stone cold steve austin in there there's some triple h there's a little bit of rick flair when I, I believe that whole era potentially helped create me into the person that i am the personality i have the view that i have on the world so i, I would say that the attitude Era is not only my biggest inspiration when it comes to wrestling But also when it comes to basically life, I mean, that is kind of the way it is. But um, I fly around a little bit. I'm a little bit bigger, you know, at this point, I'm like 250, 6'2", 250. build. At Yeah, so I I fly around a little bit. So I don't know if there's any necessarily wrestlers I mimic my in-ring after. But just me as a human, I think you could say that entire attitude era.
1: Do you have a goal in wrestling? Do you want to be in WrestleMania someday?
0: You know, that'd be dope. I mean, that would be pretty cool. But the, once again, that's just like the NFL thing where, you know, now that I've gotten a chance now that I've gotten a chance to do it, you know, and I have so much respect for everybody that's ever wrestled the amount of work and the amount of like, like buy-in that you have to have to be a successful wrestler, especially, you know, at WWE WrestleMania, like that, that's a lot, you know? So, the goal would obviously be to have something that people remember as epic, but I'm not 100% sure that I'm tough enough to do anything that would result in a WrestleMania-like run or mm. my schedule has anything that could potentially allow me, but that would be obviously insane if I was at WrestleMania, obviously.
1: Pat's moving on because he aced, obviously, the, the pro wrestling entrance music. But n- question number seven, Pat, this question is really hard. I don't know what it was. I was on a bad mood I was writing this or something, but we're going to give it a try primetime tv listen to this in 2006 abc cancelled a show called emily's reasons why not after just one episode one episode in primetime and they said it's enough emily's reasons why not what blonde movie star was the lead
0: okay great question great question (laughs) 2006, dude. I was a freshman in college. Probably wasn't yep. watching much TV, I had to guess. But who was a famous actress of the time?
1: Blonde movie star was in a show that got canceled after one episode. Who is Emily? Take a guess. Blonde movie star, Emily's Reasons Why Not. Who is it?
0: That vampire, uh, Buffy, the uh, Buffy girl. Uh, what's her name? She was famous back then. Uh, You're talking about Sarah Michelle Geller?
1: Bingo! Pat says Sarah Michelle Geller was she canceled after one night? Come on. Come on! Come on! You want to know who it was? It was it was yeah. Heather Graham. Heather Graham. Who? Remember Heather Graham from Boogie Nights and all that? Yeah, you know Heather Graham?
0: Wow! I was no. Yeah. Not at once, but she had a great run. Yeah, you had. Hey,
1: congrats to her. She's
0: in uh the Hangover.
1: She's a beautiful actress. You know who she is, Pat. But that's irrelevant. Um, why I'm asking you about that? That show was canceled after one show. As a guy who's who puts himself out there fearlessly, as a content provider for hours every day, how are you feeling right now about the phenomenon of cancel culture?
0: Hmm. You know, I think it's very interesting because we're living in a time where we know more about things than we have ever known before. And with those, we get a chance to learn about how people react to some things, how some people's lives are affected by some things that are said that maybe in the past were very normal lexicon for people. And I think we, through all of our information era, with everything being just one fingertip away from everything, I think we learned a lot about a lot of people that uh, what can offend them, What is something that puts people in a bad position? So I think that aspect of it is a good thing. I think the fact that we learn how to be a better society, how to hopefully come together as one, I think that is a magical thing. I do believe that cancel culture gets it wrong whenever they don't allow somebody to potentially explain themselves or... Maybe something gets taken completely out of context. Uh, I like Ricky Gervais. And just me saying that, by the way, a lot of people are going to be very upset about, okay? He has a stand-up film called called Humanity uh, on Netflix. And he basically has this entire bit about how um, the line between humor and hate is no longer existence. Everybody thinks everything that's potentially for humor is completely a hateful thing when that was not the intention of. So I do believe that intention should be something we should look into. But I also do like the fact that we've learned so much uh, that we can hopefully make people's lives better by not saying or doing things that maybe would have made them absolutely miserable in the past. I'm kind of conflicted on it strictly because I do believe that with more information, you should change the way you speak and do things so that you don't ruin somebody's day or life, uh, with which could be very easily handled. But also, I think intent of jokes and things like that should also be something that gets called into account every once in a while.
1: Pat, your show is so loose. It's just you. It's talking. You've said it yourself. You show up and have conversations. It's you with your friends. And sometimes the topics get heavy just because the content warrants it. Do you ever find yourself hitting the brakes or being like, "Hold on, I, I'm on a I'm on a roll right here and I really believe everything I'm saying is fine and I think I'm in my lane, but someone might not." Like, are there are there governors put on your content because
0: of what's going on right now? No, I think with my I was very lucky to be in a locker room. You know, I was very lucky to be in different situations that I was able to ride coattails into. I feel like I've gotten a chance to put a face onto a lot of causes. That have potentially uh, become much more well known about throughout my life. So anytime I speak or I'm talking about something, I feel like deep in, okay, I'm coming from a place of I'm a teammate of this person because I'm um, I have the actual example that I've met, I've encountered, I've learned about. Maybe I was ignorant to this thing before, but after a night partying with this person or having a good time, I've learned so much and so quickly. So I feel like with everywhere I've been the people I've met, the things that I've gotten a chance to so lucky do, I think it's gotten me in a place where I'm cool with talking about whatever. I'm very, mm-hmm. I mean, there are things that people are going to hate that everybody says, but I feel like every, I'm very comfortable with everything I say that it's like, hey, I'm, I'm coming from a spot where, hey, we're, let's all come together as opposed to anything differently, you know?
1: Let's finish this up. Let's have a strong final quarter here. Three out of seven. You can finish with a six. A six, is, a six is what your guy Rogers got, episode one. Let's go. <laughs> Category number eight, name the movie. is all you need to do, Pat, is I'm going to play you a clip from a movie I bet you've seen. And you have to just say the name of it. You don't have to say an actress, an award, or any of that shit. Just name the movie. In this movie, there is a uh, college football team, and they're lining up for a field goal. And here comes this clip. What movie is this, Pat McAfee?
0: It's good!
1: Welcome to football.
0: You will Welcome to football. Oh my God. I'm when was that movie out?
1: early, it was in the 90s. Oh, no. You got a field goal kicker. You got college football. He knocks her down, or knocks the kicker down. Says, welcome to football. And then you hear the kicker say, welcome to foot, balls.
0: Oh, she kicks him in the balls.
1: It sounded like it. It sounded like it.
0: So this This is like the icebox. This is kicking. Yes. What do you think? It's like the icebox of college kicking, though, and it's not—it's not the garbage man from Philadelphia because that's NFL, <laughs> right? It's not, is it the—is it the Goldie Hawn movie where she's coaching that one team?
1: No, that movie is Wildcats. Mm. That's older than this one. Hey, that's- I bet you've seen this, Pat. There's a whole damn storyline about a kicker in a movie about football. How how many movies are there like that ever? This is big.
0: This is for the brand, dude. Come on. This is great for the brand, especially her kicking them in the nuts, okay? This is yeah. good for the brand. Yeah. I love this. So, what's the name of the movie? This movie is called Girl Kicker That Was So Good, though. That's what I think it's called. Girl yeah. Kicker Hold That on. Was So Hold on. I got good a good though.
1: feeling about this. Is the name of the movie Girl Kicker That Was So Good, though? Come the, the, name of the, movie, the name of the movie is Necessary Roughness, okay? Oh, it stars Scott Bakula, Sinbad. It's, it's a movie about the Texas State Armadillo. And you know who the kicker is? Kathy Ireland, the, the SIS swimsuit model. She's a kicker, and she kicks the man in the testicles.
0: Oh, my God. I'm sorry, Kathy. I mean, you were a That's trailblazer okay. for the kicking position. That's tough. That's, That's tough. Sorry.
1: What is the hardest part about kicking and punting in the NFL?
0: Consistency, you know. A lot of people, a lot of people can bomb balls, Kyle. You see it all over the internet. Like, there's a lot of people that can just absolutely slaughter footballs, and you have to be able to demolish footballs to be in the NFL. It takes a lot of explosion to move a ball as far as you have to move to be successful, right? And there's only 32 jobs. And I understand back in the day, people, you know, didn't take it as serious. So you had the unathletic, cigarette smoking, you know, that whole situation. Now it's a well-paying job. There's only 32 of them. A lot of guys from other positions. There's a lot of athletes. You got to take care of yourself. But the only thing that you can't really figure out is the mental aspect. It's just being able to repeat something just like the golfer, a lot less strokes, a lot more people running at you or anything like that. You have to be able to repeat the same motion over and over and over and over again Mm -hmm. with the weight of the world on you, potential money, your teammates' happiness, your teammates' family happiness, your coaches' team, everything. So it's just – it's consistency is the difference between good and great. There's a lot of good guys out there, and then there's only a few great ones that really matter for a long, long time.
1: In that movie, Rob Schneider from Saturday Night Live plays the play-by-play guy in the booth. Pat, you still want to do the Monday night thing?
0: Is Is that dream still alive? Yeah. At some point, not anymore. You know, I mean, I've, why not? I, I have publicly gotten like punked basically on that thing a couple of times. The first time it went up uh, for grabs after Gruden goes to the Raiders or whatever, it was like, my followers were like, Hey, let's go get this thing. You know what I mean? Then I, my followers are the greatest humans on earth. I have no idea why they follow the fact that they do. I am very thankful for it. They're like my little team. When that thing opened up and I didn't really have a, I was doing stuff on the internet, but I didn't have a full-time job, really. They were like, hey, let's go get this thing. So it caused a little bit of noise on the internet. You know, how you doing? Got some messages from people that were like, uh, relax, basically. And I'm like, yo, I'm just, uh, you know, it's like people. I don't know what to tell you. Then they do wit, right? Then the Whitney thing happens. Obviously, he goes back to football. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, let's go get, let's go try and get this. And by that point, I had already had on film a Week 17 Lions-Packers game where neither team had playoff aspirations Aaron Rodgers got hurt in the second play Matt Prater threw a touchdown and that game was trending for five six hours right and I'm assuming it's because of the football that was playing not because of the content that was potentially made you know what I mean so I thought since there was a little bit of experience they told me basically to shut up the year before like hey will you please relax on this whole thing and then you know, whenever that whole thing starts cooking again, I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I think I'm gonna actually try and get this. I think I could be good for the game. I don't think I should be the number two guy, but you can put me in there, at number three, with basically anybody. We can we can really add to this game experience. And I guess I got into the actual conversation this year. I'd assume it was a quick one, uh, and then I got pushed aside or whatever. But at some point, I would like to be able to do commentating for somebody. I'm not sure my schedule now would allow for it because it's a lot of traveling. I have a lot of respect for people that do games; they got to travel around. The amount of work they have to do is not easy or anything like that. Uh, so at some point, I want to do it, hopefully.
1: I want to do it, too, dude. I want to see you do it. Get in there. Like, come on. Let's, let's, make, let's make this a little bit of hey, a rock concert again, dude.
0: Hey, we can enjoy football, you know? Like, hey, this doesn't have, yeah. to, be, this doesn't have to be a surgery on the field, okay? This is, this is a celebration, all right? This is a sport. Let's have a good time here. I think bye, that, bye, Yeah, yeah. <speaking> it'd be cool. I'd never get that job, at least with the current uh, batch of executives. I think that next group that'll come through though, the next group of executives. Yeah. I think they'll I think they'll potentially give me a shot. Hopefully you a shot. I think you should be on games much more than I should be at this point, but that's together, maybe Pat, you got two questions left. You can finish
1: right now with a respectable score. You have a three out of eight. Your next Each. category you're going to like. You have two questions. We're almost done. Question number nine your category is beer. Pat, in 2020, terrible year. In 2020, what Mexican beer brand took a $170 million loss in China? Oh, is it Modelo?
0: It's a Mexican beer brand in
1: 2020. It took a $170 million loss in the country of China last year. What
0: Mexican beer? So there's Dos Equis, obviously. I'm not sure if I'll make it in China. I'm not sure. Then you got, obviously, people love Corona. Corona, by the way, you put a little um, limon or something in it. It tastes like fruity pebbles. Just Just a little hack. For you there uh i'm gonna go with i oh it's gotta be corona i'm going corona final answer kyle let's go he says corona light him up oh my
1: gosh
0: you wanted to say modello so bad bro they've been getting in the game they got a nunez commercials they they've been getting modello has been getting I, in yeah.
1: the game. how fucking sick and over are you of, of COVID-19, of Corona,
0: of the life? Where are you at, man, psychologically? Yeah, man. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of do you remembers about 2020, like 15, 20. I'm a, I enjoy telling stories. I enjoy like, you know, whenever I get into something that I feel like is probably going to be a good story for my friends later, I like to look around and like, all right, let me get the details of where the hell I'm at right now. Yeah. Like, why am I here? Okay, there's a leather chair over to the left. There's fake plants there. Okay, there's this. I try to like uh, go ahead. And so whenever I start telling the story, I can be like, there's that, the whole thing. With 2020, I think it's going to be difficult to describe. Um, Obviously, when the world stopped, I remember that Utah Jazz MC guy. Everybody leave the arena. "Ah," There's screams. Do not panic. He says, do not panic. Everybody's panicking, obviously. Um, Then obviously, much Madness gets canceled. For me. I think the world came to a spot where you know everybody kind of had to stop for a second and think about a lot of things you know and obviously people were forced into that situation and I don't think long term it's going to be necessarily fantastic for a lot of folks being locked in their homes for a long time and being separated because I think we as a human are a social species like I think being around people is a big deal and I think at the beginning of this thing nobody really had a clue what was going on. And then eight months into it, none of us really had a clue what was going on. So it's one of those things where when I think about 2020 and I think about Uncle COVID and I think about the coronavirus, my immediate thought is, how the hell am I going to explain this to my kids, hopefully so? How am I going to explain this to my grandkids about the world stopping completely? everything stopped, No events, no happiness, no nothing. And I think the people that got to live through it, I think on the other side, Hopefully, we'll appreciate the finer things, the smaller things. I think we'll appreciate life a little bit more, I think. Um, but I do think there's a toll that is going to weigh for the foreseeable future for a lot of people. And uh, I'm bummed about it. And that's why literally since the day this thing started, uh, I told my people, like, hey, I'll be the dancing monkey on the, on the screen for you. Let's go ahead and try to get through this. And I think we pulled together more so than we ever have in our history And I think that's a big deal. And that'll be something I'll take away from it moving forward. But, man, it sucked, though. I mean, this is not something that is desirable. Uh, not something you want ever again.
1: See, you have this incredibly insightful take about it, and you're you're whimsical. But it sometimes does boil down to the last thing you said. Man, it sucked, though. It really did. (laughs) And and it's perfect. I'm with you, Pat. You are now in position to tie Kirk Cousins' score of a 5 out of 10, as well as Aaron Andrews. If you get the last question right, Pat, here's how this works. Question number 10 is always in an essay form. What that means is, I have found a take of yours from the past. I'm going to present you with your own take, and then you have to defend that take as being strong and or accurate. Here we go. Pat McAfee, in October of 2016, Skip Bayless tweeted that he despises field goal kicking because non-football player kickers blow it after great athletes fight their guts out. Pat McAfee, still active at the time, retweeted it with this. But my brother, all of us pro ball kickers love old men who get on TV and act like douchebags while wearing makeup. Let's hug it out. Pat, the floor is yours. Was that the the right take, the right response? Give me your
0: essay. You know, I was a little bit caught up in the moment, obviously, Kyle, and there's, that's going to happen on the internet every once in a while. And I've always had this rule. Uh, like I said, I was always friends with the football players, but I played soccer. And when I got into football, I was still always friends with the team. When I went to college, I didn't hang out with many kickers or punters. I hung out with my teammates. I never really understood the cliche or stereotype of kickers and punters kind of being off by themselves or whatever. So that's how, you know, the for the brand thing even happens at this point. And I have this rule. I've always had it. If you played in the NFL, okay, you can bury kickers and punters all you want to. You can do whatever you want. If you played, you understand. I have nothing but respect for you going out there. You played a much tougher position than I did. Guaranteed, physically, the things that you went through, your day-to-day schedule, the ice tubs, the 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 need acupuncture, the the CTE potentially, the concussions, the everything like that. If you played in the NFL, I think you can bash kickers and punters. If you did not, though, there is about a 99% chance that every kicker and punter in the NFL could dog walk you in about every single sport. So, whenever it comes to now, that just so happened to be Skip Bayless at the time. By the way, still playing the same hits. Here we are four years later, he's still playing the same hits. Uh, which, by the way, commendable to still be able to play uh, the hits and make massive money off of it. But for me, I think that was where – that might have been the moment I decided, like, okay, this is it. Like, if you play in the NFL, you can do whatever – you can say whatever you want. You know, Trent Dilfer used to go on ESPN. A friend of mine now, he used to bury kickers. I was always like, I hate that guy. Like, I hate Trent Dilfer. Then I meet him, he's like – I was friends with all the kickers. I was actually burying my friends or whatever. I'm like, yeah, whatever, Trent. Like, so for me – That is where that whole thing started. I would still put that tweet out today. I wouldn't be as hostile because I have a lot more respect for Skip at this point than I did then. But the point stands. Essay concluded, period.
1: Essay concluded. Put down your pencil. You're damn right you get the point. And Pat McAfee, you have finished the 10 questions with a 5 out of 10. How do you feel, Pat?
0: I give it a 5. Five, five. I feel good. You feel all you know? right. You feel good. Yeah, coming into the show, me and the boys knew I was going to fail miserably. You know, because there isn't a lot that I know that's outside of my world. You know, if it's my world, I'm pretty good. But if it's outside of there, ugh, it gets a little shaky out there. I really appreciate you having me on here. There's a lot of people that listen to the show that would never ever listen to my show. So the fact you let me do this, I'm very very thankful.
1: Pat, you're the best. The last order of business on every single episode, we end it with a call out in which you go into your psychological resume of public figures that you know or admire and think, who could come on this show and compete with my five out of 10 and butt heads? Who, Pat, talk to them right now. Think of someone who should come on and be like, hey, you, bro, or ma'am,
0: come on here and challenge my five out of 10. Who do you think would be good? So I just want this because I would like to hear you and this human speak to each other. You know what what I mean? Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, hell yes. Talk to Stone Cold. So so Stone Cold came on my show uh, because he was talking about straight up Steve Austin. Hell yeah, season two or whatever, you know? And he got, it was on his birthday. He called in and I think he got a little bit comfortable, like five, 10 minutes in. I started asking him about stuff and he was wide open. That man lived on the road. He was at the pinnacle of wrestling, put WWF on his back alongside The Rock. He has toured cities. He has sold out arenas. He's been there, done that with everything. Uh, I think you and Steve Austin would be an immaculate conversation, and I think the listeners and viewers deserve it. So uh, I think that should be your next person up there, is the rattle, the Texas Rattlesnake, Stone Cold Steve Austin.
1: That's the bottom line because Pat McAfee says so. That is it. Pat, this was so fun. I've wanted to do it for a while. I say this to all the contestants. Oh, I love you. I love you. Dude, I love you. I love what you're doing. You are on a rocket ship to Mars right now. I only hope I can grab onto it and we can work work together someday, man, because you are awesome. Thank you so much, Pat.
0: Kyle, thank you for having me. If we're going to Mars, let's grab some Bitcoin. Let's grab some Dogecoin, okay? AMC, GameStop, Top Shot. Let's go ahead and get into that game so that we have some money in outer space. Kyle, big fan. Love you as well. Thank you for everything you've done for the sport, uh, for the game, and also the show. You're the best. Five out of ten. Not too shabby. Worse than Brett Favre. Not too shabby, though.
1: <laughs> That's Pat McAfee. We are rolling up our sweatpants to show off the calves. and we will see you next time on 10 Questions. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Ten Questions with Kyle Brandt is a co production by Spotify and The Ringer. The show is produced by Richie Bozek, Jason Gallagher, Noah Malale, Steve Allman, Jackson Safan, and Arjuna Ramgopal. Our theme song is by Matt Schiltz and Bobby Lord. Additional sound design by Bobby Lord.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm.